Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12. This is a series on heroes of the faith. We're going through chapter 11 this summer. The writer of Hebrews has only one point to make in chapter 11, and it is this. The faith life is the only life that pleases God. Hebrews 11.1 states that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The first woman to swim the English Channel, which is that water between the nation of France and Great Britain, 19 miles wide, the first woman to swim that was named Florence Chadwick. And she not only crossed it once, but she crossed it over and then came back, the first woman to do that, setting a world record. Um, On July 4th, 1952, at the age of 34, Florence Chadwick sets her sights on another world record, and that was to swim the 21 miles from Catalina Island to the coast of uh, Southern California. On the particular day in 1952, the water was numbing cold and the fog was so thick she could hardly see the boats that were accompanying her on her swim. To make things worse, at times the sharks came so close that uh, they had to repel the sharks with rifle fire from one of the boats. After about 15 hours in the water... This world-class swimmer said she'd had enough. She said, I want to get out. Her mom was in the boat nearby. Her coach was with her. And they said, don't give up. Don't give up. The coast is less than a mile away. There is a little more of that. They said, the coast is near. We can tell that. And so she continued. And she couldn't see. The fog was so thick, she couldn't see. And she kept going. 15 hours and 55 minutes, she had enough. She said, I want out. And so they took her out of the water. And the coast was just a half a mile away. Um, Later, she was interviewed by a reporter. She said, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. After that, she reflected later uh, that the reason she gave up was not that it was cold, not that of fatigue. It was the fog, she said. The fog uh, obscured her goal. She couldn't see the finish. Uh, It had blinded her reason, her eyes, and her hope. She had believed that she could swim the 21 miles from Catalina Island to the California coast. Um, But she lost hope. Really, she lost her faith in the ability to accomplish this, even though the coast was a half mile away. You know, sometimes we lose hope. Sometimes we give up on something we can't see. Sometimes our faith is depleted. Sometimes we get stuck in a spiritual fog. The writer of Hebrews says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It takes faith to follow Christ. 
It takes faith to live out the Christian life. Today we meet a hero named Abraham. Abraham was commended by God in Hebrews 11 because of his faith. We don't know much about Abraham in his childhood years or his early adult years. Uh, But we know that God asked him to move. To move away from the country that he lived in to a new country, to a foreign land. And we're going to pick his story up uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, first in verses 8 through 10. And uh, on the outline, it's when God asks us to move. If you you have an outline in your program, if you'd like to follow, if you'd like to take notes, most people learn better when they take notes. Some of you don't, but most people do. When God asks you to move, think about this. God may ask you to move. He may do that. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. Let's have a look at that. Writer begins in verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Um, Men had problems about knowing where they were going back then. Abraham had to get some direction along the way. Fortunately, he had some good direction. By faith, uh, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Um, Let's go back uh, to one slide. By faith, Abraham. This is about faith. This is a story about faith. Abraham responded to God in faith. He was called by God to go to a place. I don't know what that was like. We're going to look at that in just a minute in Genesis chapter 12. Somehow, God directed him to go. He was called. God wanted him to do something. And uh, when called to go to a place, it was to a place it was a place that Abraham had never experienced before. He had not seen it. Later, he would receive as an inheritance. Um, he received it. You know what an inheritance is? It's something you don't have yet. And Abraham never really experienced it until heaven, by the way. He would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. So that's how Abraham responded. He obeyed. That's what faith is, by the way, is taking God at his word. When God speaks and he says, do it, you do it. That's not legalism. That's faith. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Now, if you know anything about Abraham's story, Abraham really gave up a good life. And he went to live in tents. Um, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. Abraham never built a home in, the, in this land. He had a tent ministry, a camping ministry. That was it. Um, it was the promised land. By the way, that's the only reference in the Bible to the term the promised land. It's a very important concept. It's a technical concept, and it refers to a piece of geography that God made a promise to Abraham about. The promised land. It's still there today. The land is still there today. 
It's a pretty big piece of geography compared to what we see today. And today we would call it the land of Israel. And uh, next slide. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. Remember Isaac and Jacob? Isaac is going to be his son. Jacob is going to be his grandson. Now, some of you were here when we did the story of Joseph. Jacob was Joseph's dad. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise because God made the promises to Isaac and Jacob that he also made to Abraham. They were passed from son to son to son to son. And they're in print for these guys. They're called the patriarchs. They're pretty important in all of the Bible. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations. Think about this. God sent out Abraham on a searching uh, party. He was searching for something that he had never experienced before. I think that's the key to a life in a lot of ways. I think because we're created in the image of God, God puts something in our hearts to search for something until we find it. And we look for fulfillment in so many things. That's what God put in Abraham's heart to do here, is to find what he was looking for. And, he, and Abraham was looking forward to a city. Abraham knew that. He was looking for a city with foundations. We would expect a city to have foundations, but whose architect and builder is God. Now, that's the surprise. This is a very unique city. It is an eternal city. And Abraham set out to go find the city. We don't know that until Hebrews 11. That's what God was putting into Abraham's heart. Now, I'm going to make a big jump here, but this is kind of important stuff to the entire Bible. Because it ties Genesis to the book of Revelation. An application could be made. What city was he looking for? Well, he was looking for the holy city. The holy Jerusalem. He was looking for that city. But not a physical city. Listen to, just listen to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then, this is John, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will, uh, God himself will be with them and be their God. It's a very unique city. Abraham was looking for it at 2200 B.C. And it didn't exist yet. And then it says, He, that is God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, just one little thing, I want application I want to make here. I think God puts this in all of our hearts. You may not know exactly what you're looking for ultimately. You, a lot of you know that God is kind of the answer. But this is where it's going to be fulfilled in this city, Revelation 21. Um, and, and here's an application for us. Sometimes we get really disappointed with life and people around us because we aren't there yet. We want people and this life to be like that, perfect. Where there are no problems, where I'm happy. You're going to be happy there if you're a follower of Jesus. But you aren't there yet. So do not expect 
everything around you to be the way you want it. So adapt and adjust and live by faith until you get there. Okay, that wasn't even in the sermon. I want to look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, because this is the story behind our story. The Lord said to Abram, Abraham's name back here was Abram. It's a shorter name, kind of easier to say. And uh, God will change his name later. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So these are, are... Abraham's original destructions. We know very little about Abram before this. We know a little bit in Genesis chapter 11 about who he is and where he's from. And so God comes to Abraham and says, leave. This is, this is Abraham's job. His job, the command is to leave. And then it says, go, leave and go. Abraham, it's your responsibility. Leave, leave the fam, go where I'm going to show you. And so that's what Abraham was supposed to do. And then God said, here's what I'm going to do. I, God, will make you a great nation, and I, God, will bless you. I, God, will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Next slide. I, God, will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. There's that living by faith, taking God at his word. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. It's already on Social Security. Abram, and when he set out from Haran, we'll look at that in just a minute. Next passage, he took his wife Sarai. That was her name. God is going to change it to Sarah. His nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated, because they had accumulated quite a bit, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Canaan is going to be the land that is promised to Abraham. It's a very important piece. Later, it's going to be called Israel. It just kind of helps putting the pieces together in the Bible because you see these little pieces are going to make really a lot of sense in the big pieces. The land of Canaan, which is the promised land, and they arrived there. Pretty simple. Um, so, um, why did Abraham, what did Abraham do? He, he left and he went with uh, his family. He moved. He did what God said. Um, okay, let's look at the move on the map. Here's what we can see. Uh, this is uh, modern-day Iraq, Syria. Way over on the left would be Israel. And uh, the Mediterranean Sea is on the left, if that helps you. So... And in Genesis chapter 11, Abraham and his family start out in Ur. If you look clear to the right at the bottom, the green arrow goes up to Babylon, the ancient city. This is like an ancient trade route. Uh, if they went straight west, it might have been a little more difficult travel through a desert. Uh, they went up to Mari, to Haran, a few other cities. By Genesis 12, Abraham was in Haran. Then he comes down through uh, Syria, Damascus. And down to Shechem, that's in Israel. And there was, wasn't a city then. It was just, just a little camping area. And uh, that's over a thousand miles. And he did it by caravan. Not a Dodge caravan, but probably camels. And there's a pretty big household he had. And they lived in tents. Abraham would live in tents the rest of his life. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Haran. 
uh, no, Ur of the Chaldees, where, where he, he starts out. There was a middle, this wasn't common in the ancient world. There was a middle class in Ur. Middle class lived in two-story homes. They had a water supply to the house and a, and a primitive sewage system, 2200 B.C. Uh, people were very well educated in Ur of the Chaldees. It was a rich trading center, population 250,000. That's a big city in the ancient world. They did not have mass transit. Um, that's where he came from. Abraham was living the American dream before we had the American dream. He was in the good life. And God asked him to leave it and to go to the place that God uh, would show him. Uh, let's go back to the promises now. Uh, promises, Genesis chapter 12. This is important. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. This is a covenant. It's an agreement between God and Abraham. And it's going to make a lot of sense out of the Bible. These are promises. And they carry all the way through the Bible. You can't understand the New Testament without understanding this. It even gives a lot of insight on what's going in, what's happening today in the Mideast. It explains why there still is a country called Israel. When if you, sociologists would say the Jewish population is so small in the world, they should have ended up being absorbed by the rest of the world. They've been scattered so much, they should have been absorbed. Somehow they kept their identity. Let me just walk through this passage and I'll come back to this. God said, I, God, will make you a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you. Well, Abraham was one man and he was married to one woman and that's two. That's Abraham's family. No kids. By the end of the book of Genesis, going through all the story of Joseph, Abraham's family grew from a couple to 70 people because Abraham had a son named Isaac and then he, he had a son named Jacob and family grows to 70. End of book of Genesis, 400 years right there. And then another 400 years passes and we go into the story of Exodus and how God's people in Egypt, that's where we left them at the story of Joseph. They're in Egypt and they go into slavery and they grow from 70 people to at least two, two and a half million. Now, my point is, God said, I will make you a great nation. From, from two people to 70 people to two and a half million. How do I know it's two and a half million? Well, if you um, count that in the book of Exodus, there were 600,000 males over the age of 20. That's quite a few. That's more than 70. And uh, you could expect that a good number of those males were married. So if you double, let's just say they were all married, that'd give you a million point two if they were just married. Now, probably some of them weren't married or some of them might have been uh, widowers. But what if they had 2.2 children? Because, you know, that's the American dream. And that would raise them up to, um, I think it's 2.6 million. Now, some of those families had 10 children, by the way, or more. Now, to say that it was 2.5 million is just conservative. My point is, God grew them into a great nation. They were becoming so powerful, so large, the Egyptian pharaoh was afraid of them. That's why he put them into slavery, to control them. And God said, I will make your name great. 
Abraham's name is mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament, 40 times in the New Testament, 10 of those times are in the book of Hebrews. Abraham's name is still known today in the world by millions and millions of people. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever, whoever curses you, I will curse. Some scholars believe there's a whole lot about history you can learn from this passage. Those who blessed the nation Israel were blessed. Those who cursed the nation Israel ended up falling out of favor with the whole world. Now, there's times in history, you know, that's not like, I'm just saying, I think there's a re- relationship between when God's people have been blessed by outside people, outside nations, and when God's people have been cursed. Um, You can find times where the Jewish people were persecuted demonically. The greatest example is World War II and what happened to the nation Germany, you know? Well, the war didn't end well for them. Now, my point is the world was so... uh, devastated by what happened to the Jewish people as well as the Jewish people were devastated by the Holocaust in World War II, that the world got together and said, let's create a new nation, let's call it, call it, call it Israel, and let's let our, the people go back home. For, for uh, th- hundreds of years, people wouldn't study prophecy because there were no Jewish people in the land of Israel. But today there is. Now, I'm not trying to make too much out of that. I'm just saying there's a lot going on the reason Jerusalem is, there's so much uh, tension over that, goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And it's going to go all the way through the book of Revelation. So expect it. Okay. Um, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Well, how did that happen? Well, guess what? The Old Testament scriptures came through Abraham's family. All of the Old Testament came through Abraham's family. Guess what else came through Abraham's family? the Messiah, the promised one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he came through Abraham's family. He's a descendant of Abraham. The whole world was blessed through Jesus. And not only that, the New Testament. There are some Gentile writers, and that's all good, but it's just about God's family. And we say Abraham is one of our fathers because he's a spiritual father, the faith, father of our faith. Okay. That's Abraham's move. God called him to move. Sometimes God may call you to move. Let's talk about your move. Has God ever called you to move? Um, Abraham, remember, was living the good life in Ur of the Chaldees. God said, I want you to move, Abraham. And um, Abraham left his good life. Um, Abraham moved. He left everything because God had something better for him. You know, that's, sometimes people would say that's debatable. You know, is living in a tent better than what he had before? It depends on what you want in life. Um, but Abraham did because he knew he was searching for something that, was, that God wanted him to do, and it was going to be better. Personally, I have moved 13, I counted this, 13 times since I've been married. Most of those times, I moved for me. Most of those times, I moved because I wanted a bigger place. I wanted a better place. I wanted to be more comfortable. I wanted to be closer to my work. Four times, I know I moved because God called me. 
I know in 1976, he called our family to move to Dallas, Texas, and we went. And in 1981, he called us to move from Dallas. We were living in Des Moines, Iowa, and we moved to Dallas, Texas. 1981, he called us to move from uh, Dallas, Texas to Indianola, Iowa. And that's where I served in my first ministry. And I know God called us to do that. 1986, he called us to move from Indianola, Iowa to Stoughton, Wisconsin. That's how I became a Wisconsinite. And uh, he had us there for 22 years. And then in 2008, he called us to move to Eau Claire. I know that for sure. Now, here's what I want just to say. Some of you have heard me say this before. I think God primarily moves his people for the sake of the church. It's not for so we can have a better life. And God's not against you having a better life, and he may bless you with that. Um, but just make sure that you're seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness first. Consult him when you move. It's not about bigger and better or more necessarily. God may bless you. I'm okay if God blesses you. I believe, and if you study the Bible, you study the book of Acts, primarily the church relocation is about the church. Sometimes God brought persecution to get people to move out of comfort to a, so the gospel could be advanced. And he moves people. He says, go and make disciples. And some of you, he's going to send to another country. And some of our students are in other countries right now because God brought that to their attention uh, this last year. But uh, just make sure you know um, how to do a move. Um, Sometimes God wants us to move geographically, and sometimes he just wants to move us along spiritually because we get stuck in a spiritual fog. I don't know where you are today in your spiritual life, but I hope you are going where God wants you to go. Um, faith comes from hearing. When, when it comes to get, getting stuck, faith, think about this. This is a Romans 10 Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And the principle there is that our faith grows in relationship to our contact with the word of God. And so if I have a regular contact with the word of God, my faith has a much more chance to multiply and to grow so that I can respond to what God wants me to do. If I disengage from God's word, my faith probably is disengaged too. So one of those things is, are you in touch with God through his word? Because your faith, whether it's stuck, whether you're in a spiritual fog, is going to be related to your relationship with the word of God. Um, God may want to move you along. He may want to, maybe you're stuck in prayer. And uh, maybe you're not sure God answers and God may want to move you along in your spiritual journey in this whole area of prayer. Maybe God wants you to move away from sinful habits like dabbling in pornography. Maybe God wants you to move out of a living situation that dishonors him. Maybe God uh, wants you uh, to move toward ministry, toward serving. And I don't mean professional ministry. I just mean toward serving. And by the way, Part of uh, God's plan for your spiritual, spiritual formation, that is growing as a follower, is serving. Uh, you, you really don't grow much unless you are 
serving. It's all part of God's plan for spiritual formation, that Jesus Christ be formed in you. I'm not telling you what that should look like. God gives us a tremendous amount of freedom. Um, is, my question is, is God asking you to move toward him and away from whatever is keeping you from on a growth track? Philippians 4.13 teaches us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever has gotten you stuck, if you are stuck, God can provide what you need to go on, the resources you need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And um, ask him for his strength. Ask him for his help. Ask him for his guidance. So... um, John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's living by faith. If God's really important, he says, obey what I command. That's living by faith. Um, And then remember, the faith life is the only life that pleases God. It's going to require movement. It's not just intellectual faith where I sit back and say, yeah, I agree with all that. Faith is going to end up into action, into doing and serving and following Christ. Secondly, that's uh, when God asks you to move. Secondly, when God asks you to wait. This is Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. Let's look at Abraham's wait. Verse 11. By faith, Abraham, though he was past age, he was drawing social security, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. God has a way of doing things sometimes to cause people to wait. And sometimes he causes them to wait so long, just so it's clear with everybody that this endeavor was not accomplished by human effort. It was not a natural uh, result. And God made Abraham wait and Sarah wait because they wanted to have children. And their culture, the command from God was to be fruitful and multiply. And their culture, having children, was very important. And here you have Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham, a a leader in his community, a powerful man, an influential person. He has no kids. It's a great disappointment. Um, I don't doubt that they asked God for a baby. And they had to wait. And they had to wait. And think about this. God came to Abraham when he was 75 years old and he told Abraham that he was going to have a child. There's a, bit, there's a little separation from Genesis 12 and Genesis 18. So Abraham, I want you to go. I'm going to make you a great nation. Okay, I'm going. What, where's the babies? And then 25 years pass. And Abraham's too old to do this. It's not physiologically possible. He waits 25 years. Sarah is too old. Sarah is 65 years old when she gets the promise. And they wait 25 years before the birth of Isaac. And some of you know the story. Even Sarah got impatient and she tried to manipulate the story and get another woman involved with her husband. And it's not what God had in mind. He just wanted them to wait God sometimes wants his people to wait. Um, Verse 12, And so from this one man, as good as dead, 
came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand in the seashore. That's the Abrahamic covenant. That's the promise that God said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky and like the sand in the seashore. What was the point? The point is, this is going to be huge. You're not going to be able to keep track of them. You're not going to be able to count them yourself. Um, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, this all came from one man. And the Jewish nation just began to keep God's command in Genesis chapter 1 to be fruitful and multiply, and that's what they did. Um, question for you. God asked Abraham and Sarah to wait 25 years. What does God ask you to wait for? Some of you have waited to have children and maybe God hasn't answered yet. Some of you are waiting for God to bring the person that you're going to marry. Some of you are waiting for a resolution to a health issue. God is asking you to wait. He hasn't answered yet. Can you trust him? Some answers may not come until we get to that city whose architect and builder is God. Can you trust him for that? Sometimes God wants us to wait, and we have to wait by faith. Could you wait 25 years for your answer? Could you wait for eternity? Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. That's just about living by faith, getting up every day, doing what you know God wants you to do, even though life doesn't make you happy. Don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, so sometimes, sometimes God uh, asks you to move like Abraham. Abraham, remember, responded, responded with obedience. He left his country, took his family just like God said. Sometimes God asks you to wait for him. Abraham and Sarah had to wait for a son. And sometimes God may want you to wait a long time. And the, answer, the question will be is, can you trust him? In September 1952, two months after Florence Chadwick failed to swim from uh, the Catalina Island to the California coast, 21 miles, she tried again. On the day that she swam in September 1952, the fog was just as thick and the water was just as cold. She refocused her faith um, even though she couldn't see the land. Uh, she didn't lose hope. She swam the 21 miles to achieve a new world record. Uh, she was the first woman to swim the 21 miles. Nine men had done this before her. The cool thing was she uh, set the world record two and a half hours faster than the men did it. And um, she had failed, but she tried again. 
Have you failed in your walk of faith? Are you at a stuck point right now? And I just want to say, try it again. Get back on track if you need to. If you're on course, awesome. Stay on course. You can trust him. He is faithful to his promise. Don't grow weary and lose heart. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Ask him for help. Ask him for the strength. Ask him for the guidance. And he will provide for your every need. Let's stand and pray. Father, we need heroes and we need examples. We need to hear stories that encourage, like the story of Abraham. And yet Abraham had to live a long life and he had to work hard and he had to wait and he had to be patient. And yet from our perspective, we see a hero and we understand how you answered and how you blessed him. But we sometimes feel so insignificant and so small and like that you don't care, but that's not true. Because according to truth, we know that you love us and you love us so much that you sent your son for us and we just give you thanks and we give you praise. We know that you care um, about the details of our life. You care about uh, every hair on our head. You care about the food we need and the place uh, that uh, you would provide for us to live. You care about our families and you care about our futures. Uh, You care about uh, the people that we would marry. the jobs that we have, the places that we go. God, may we just uh, stay the course. May we live by faith. And God, I pray for anybody here who just needs to be encouraged and needs to get back on track. Lord, give them the courage and the boldness to make that step to walk with you. For Jesus' sake, I pray.